Hi, it's Rainer G with the Holistic Health Hotline. I'm going to make this one kind of a short one today because the last one was so long. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I know people don't have time to to listen um, as much as they'd like to. And uh, I sometimes don't have time to talk as much as I'd like to. Um, but I do get the comments from people how I could possibly talk for an hour without notes. Um, but I do that. <laughs> So anyway, um, today, I, I've been struck this week by many things, of course. I'm, I'm helping to organize the um, March on Washington on 9-12. It's actually going to take place from 9-9 to 9-12. Um, I'm also dealing with a lot of people who are struggling with information and uh, their own internal conflicts about what's really going on and how they feel and is it all about health care or not and um, and the confusion around that and how they're this week is going to be very tough on people because you know when you start making a difference when you start making a dent in, um, in people's thoughts and and beliefs and uh, and going after an agenda that has not been positive for our country you're going to get backlash, and so the backlash, of course, is going to come in the next couple of weeks. You're going to hear speeches like crazy and spin like crazy and words that get transformed into um, different words that have the same meanings, but you won't know that. So there'll be a lot of confusion. And as I was and have been listening and writing emails and responding to as many people as I can, um, I have people who ask about my books, you know, Forget the Cures, Find the Cause, what does that mean? And 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 that struck me, that people couldn't read that title, Forget the Cures, Find the Cause, and understand where holistically um, I come from in looking at the world, at a person, at a, at a disease, at a condition. Um, and so, and so it, it, it just hit me that we are such a society of band-aid cures and um, and almost complacency when it comes to disease and and, the, and disintegration of our spirits and our bodies and our minds that we let it happen and we and we we become oblivious to the symptoms we um, and we become passive as we push through the pain or band-aid the, the, the cut or medicate the condition or the pain or the or the, the reaction to things and and I wonder how many who are fighting this so hard in such a negative way are, are doing it through drugs or, or pharmaceutical drugs is what I mean or medications and 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 have lost the control the sight um, the spirit uh, to understand where this grassroots movement is coming from and the passion behind it is coming from so that there's so much hatred and so much violence or implied violence in everything that people are doing. And it, 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 it's scary for older people. It's scary for kids, um, little kids. The, the middle school kids are already gone. They're they're on their antidepressants from the time they're eight years old, but it's scary for people and and the fear of of things that are could happen to them is part of what's driving some people to finally speak out. Fear will do that, 
Um, and then the passion on the other side, that's the love that people have for their country, for their culture, for their flag, for their history. Um, and that passion comes forth very clearly. And then you have the paid people who are teaching others how to be the disruptors and, and be the voices or act like they're the voices of the people. And you talk to the ones that are getting paid and they haven't got a clue why they're there or what or what the issues are or why they're what they're supposed to do except from what the boss says you know and in other words um lining up with their signs that are given to them because the creativity in their souls is not there they don't have the passion um to do what they need to do so they get given pre-printed signs and then they have a a line boss that stands outside or goes on the buses and says okay when you get there if somebody starts to talk you stand up and you say this and if somebody or a bunch of people start yelling at the speakers at the town halls you stand up and you keep saying this and eventually the other people will get frustrated and it's your it'll be your meeting and you take your meeting and um it's it's um it reminds me of the military in some ways, except I was a Marine and not a, um, uh, in, in another branch of service. And what they do to you in the beginning in boot camp is strip you of your personalities, basically, so that you won't think independently. You think, you don't think, period. In fact, you're told by your drill instructors, um, you know, don't think. I'll do the thinking for you. And and you spend several weeks, it's eight weeks, it used to be, well, it's 12 weeks now, it used to be eight weeks. Um, you spend eight weeks kind of losing yourself and, and all the things that you um, thought were yours and being rebuilt, not into robots, but into a team. And that team is every other Marine out there. And if there's any Marines listening to me, you know exactly what I'm saying. And, and once you're a Marine, and you've heard this before, once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. Because you, it doesn't matter if you turn into a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief. You have that spirit, that esprit de corps um, within you now that makes you a team with every other Marine out there. Um, which, is, which is actually comforting. <laughs> in times of chaos or armed conflict because yeah, the Marines will always pull together and and um, and do the right thing because they love their country. That's why they become Marines. It's, it's the hardest thing to go through. You know, boot camp in the Navy or the Air Force or even the Army is nothing compared to what Marine Corps boot camp is. And that's why you hear so many stories in Afghanistan, Iraq, and others, other places about Marines being there. They need the Marines there. Um, they're a different unit than than other um, branches of the service, and it doesn't. I'm not saying anything negative about those who are in any other branch, because at least you are in a branch of service, and you and you want it to go, and um, and you're dying for your country. We've, we're losing. We've lost more <coughs> in Afghanistan this last month than we last than we have in all the years we've been there, and we've lost more in Iraq than we have in the last 13 months. So, um, for all those of you who voted for no war, I have news for you: there's another 30,000 troops that are going to go to Afghanistan probably within the next month, um, and probably more after that because because the spirit in the White House is broken. It's, it's not a, 
a spirit coming from love of country. It's a spirit coming from anger and resentment. And whenever you have that kind of energy flowing from what should be the top of the pyramid down, it it, it gets very muddy before it hits the bottom. And, um, and it becomes very negative. And it's turned into a very extremely negative energy. And when you have negative or whatever, you, you will have finally a reaction of positive. And that's what we're seeing all across the country. That's why there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of buses and cars and trucks and motorcycles on their way to Washington, D.C. for September 12th. And people have asked why September 12th, and I'll say it again, after September 11th, the country pulled together as a unit because of fear, because of pride, because of that esprit de corps that was instilled in so many. And, and they, they, they said, you're not, you're not going to do this to me. You're not going to do this to us. You're not going to do this to our families. And, and they came together. And so um, the 9-12 project is that same date. It's the day after 9-11 that says, you're not going to do this to us. We will stand up because this is our country. So there will be, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in D.C. I wish there were going to be millions and millions. Um, but the economy, of course, won't allow that. That's on purpose. And uh, health of people won't allow it. I, I don't like some of the excuses I've heard, and I guess I should say them so I get that out. But I've heard from so many, and, and the excuses are just lame. <laughs> I have to pick blueberries for my husband that day. You know, tell your husband he should be with you and you should be in the car or on a bus or on a plane and you should be going because you won't have any blueberries if you don't go. Um, people who can't find babysitters. Well, you know, if aunt so-and-so or grandma so-and-so or uncle so-and-so can't go or your neighbor decides they can't go or you have a, a, a Democrat next door that doesn't want to go <laughs> or an independent that doesn't want to go or whatever or a Republican because Republicans are no are not any better lately than anybody else then ask them to watch your children you, you know they're your neighbors trust them and not everybody in every street is from one party or from one point of view or from one whatever not everybody on your street is going so you can find people to watch the children. Um, the excuses just, they run up and down. And and I know their excuses, and the excuses come from fear. The excuses come from, and, and, and that fear, I guess I should mention, is, is not from what's going to happen there. Nothing's going to happen there, except that people are going to feel a pride and a, and a, a force that they have never felt in their lives because they haven't done this before. This is these are people who, who don't know how to do these things. They weren't in the anti-war movement or um, the civil rights movement or marching on anything before. They've come out of their houses for the first time, some some of them in 30 or 40 years, to speak their minds. They're saying this is not the country I fought for. This is not the country my friends died for, and I want it back. Um, but the fear of what my neighbors will think, and my sister won't like me, and my mother will be mad, or my daughter will be mad, or my son won't, doesn't think I should go. Well, you know, then you have to break away from the unit and understand that you are here for the Constitution, be, and, and the Constitution has been here for you. And it's your responsibility and duty as an American to do something, not to sit back and, and say, I'll say prayers for you all while you're there. 
no, 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 that won't work. <laughs> and that's a right-wing thing. I won't go out there and speak my mind or show my voice or let my voice be heard because somebody might not like me or somebody might stop speaking to me or whatever, but I'll pray for you. Um, okay. Some people have to do that because they have other things they really have to do, and, and this isn't a guilt trip, but damn. Don't sit back and tell me you're going to pray for me if you're really going to watch the football game or go shopping or, you know, hang out with your friends or go pick blueberries for your husband. Um, we all need prayers all the time, and mostly we pray for ourselves. That's what we're really praying for when we pray for others is for ourselves. But don't use it as an excuse because God doesn't like that. You know, that God knows what you're doing. <laughs> So your prayers, it's like he already knows that the prayers are there or were going to be. So he's going to watch out for everybody who goes here. He knows what the right thing is. He knows that um, what's happening is, is a lot of lies and betrayal and um, uh, an agenda that comes from anger and resentment. And he doesn't promote those kinds of things. So he, who do you think he's looking out for? Um He's going to make sure that people are safe and, and that the word is spoken because he's really speaking those words. He's he's saying freedom, not treason. He's saying, you know, no radicals, no communists, and this is not the change that people were looking for. And, um, oh, I don't know, other things, I don't know. You didn't listen, so can you hear us now? <laughs> you know, things like that that are on the signs that are out there. Anyway, I, I, I was struck by... Um, the fact that so many people have asked me about the books, they don't buy them, they just ask about them, and, and I try to explain to them, and, um, and then I hear a story, you know, about, uh, a doctor who was a doctor for 35 years, and now that this health reform thing has come up, he, um, decided to quit. He said, you know, if, if I can't deal with my patients, or I'm not going to be able to, or they're not going to pay me to do it because they believe that that money should go somewhere else, then I'm not going to be a doctor anymore. I always wanted to play in a band and play guitar. So he quit. And um, he quit being a doctor. Of course, he can never not be a doctor either. Once, you're, once a doctor, always a doctor. So if he's in a concert and somebody is um, having a stroke, you can bet he'll be off the stage and taking care of them. But the, but the point is, is that he quit to play guitar. And within a few weeks of doing that... Um, was in an accident and broke his wrists. Now, you need your wrists to play guitar. And, of course, the, the first question is, why? And, and I have said it before, this is the time that people will be tested, their faith will be tested beyond comprehension. So, um, so you know, we had a little talk over email, and I, and I said, you know, so you broke your wrists. Um, they heal, right? You know that because you're a doctor. So you know that that's only that's a small part of your body and your mind and your spirit. It's a little small part that you think is integral to doing what you want to do. Um, this was, I don't know, maybe five or six weeks ago. Well, I heard from him yesterday. And uh, he said that he, he wanted to thank me because he said, you know, just listening and, and talking to me about what was the reason behind all these things, he said he thought about the books. He said, forget the cures, find the cause. And and, and um, I guess he bought, he actually bought the books. <laughs> but he said, you know, that the wrists were really just a symptom 
uh, of his own fear and uh, how he felt like even though he really wanted to play guitar and he couldn't stand what was going on with what was going to go on and what is going on with healthcare, um, that all of a sudden his wrist broke because his life was broken and he had to turn that around the other way and understand that um, that his life was going to change, it was going to transform and then he had to have the courage to let that transformation happen and then he realized as a doctor that when you do break a bone and it does heal because we have that gift of, of healing that the bone is actually stronger than it was before because the calcium is, is denser um, in those areas and he understood that as he was healing that he was becoming stronger and his, and his, his bones were becoming stronger so that he could really play the way he wanted to play um, and then he was going to try to make a difference with his music that he was going to make it healing and and powerful and um, anyway by telling me those things it, 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 it helped it raise my spirit because sometimes I just get like everybody else and, and feel like I give up you know I've tried as hard as I can to let people know what's going on and and then you break, break that down or that's the wrong word you you expand that <laughs> to more than just hands and wrists you expand it to what's happening in our country and uh, what people are saying is uh, that the country's broken they're not saying I don't understand health care I mean that's what Congress is saying that people are doing they don't understand health care so you'll see the president come out in the next couple of weeks and just yak a lot about what the points of health care are that's not the point anymore the point is is that people feel betrayed they feel lied to they don't trust and trust is a very hard thing to regain once you've lost it you know once you've told enough lies and once you've you've flip-flopped on everything that you promised once you've broken your promises um, the next time that person, the next time you tell someone that you promised to do something, they can't accept it anymore because it doesn't mean anything. And that's why so many people are going to D.C. And that's also um, why Congress doesn't understand it. They're looking for the cure. What do we say? What can we say? Or what little thing can we change and, and make them believe that they need to do this? So they'll all say, oh, that's great, you got rid of um, the government option, which is the public option. Or you changed this paragraph, so now I feel better. Uh-uh. People know right now that there's a cause behind this, and they have become the cause and not the cure. Um, when you find the causes, when you deal with the causes of any dis-ease or imbalance in your body, in your family, in your country, when you find the cause, then you deal with the cause. The symptoms will go away. We have symptoms right now. Um, Congress is deaf. They have very negative energy. They're lashing out at their constituents who elected them. They are acting like elitist, high horse people. You know, and this is not just Democrats. I mean, Republicans are always on their high horse. I can't stand the judgment that comes from the Republican Party. You know, anybody who's not like who knows what is not perfect enough for them. So you can't be gay and you can't be um, black and you can't have had a history of such and such. And yet they're the ones that will go out and, and break their promises to their wives and, and their children and and their constituents just as much as the Democrats do who who 
you know, if Republicans are on high horses, Democrats ride high on the backs of others. When you see everything that's going on around the world and, and people expecting a response from a president who's out at Martha's Vineyard. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, right. Now he makes a lot of money and he can go out to the very elite Martha's Vineyard and pay $35,000 a week for a mansion. And, and then his, um, uh, Burton there, his other press secretary or assistant secretary, whatever he is, came out and he said the other day, well, you know, the president's been coming here for 10 years and he really likes it and that's why he's here. And I'm thinking, 10 years? What was he doing 10 years ago that he could afford to go to Martha's Vineyard? And he's been coming here every year for 10 years? And he said, you know, this is the elitist thing. This is golfing on Memorial Day instead of laying a wreath and saying a prayer and not golfing because no one else can go golfing, especially all those guys out in Afghanistan, Iraq. And this is, um, I need a vacation, so I'm going to come go to Martha's Vineyard and play golf every day and then come back to Washington and take off for Camp David. Yes, he has children. So do, so do all the workers out there who are trying to scratch enough money um, to feed their children. Okay? And um, so I don't like that. And I don't think the American people in general, even if they don't voice it or they can't see it, like it either. They don't like it that Nancy Pelosi decided not to do town halls but to go home to her San Francisco mansions um, with her her vineyards that are are um, appraised at either five or twenty five million dollars, she's not sure. Um, and said publicly, I'm gonna wine and dine my fund my 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 uh, donors. That's what she was gonna do on this recess and that's what she did. Um, I can't afford to go anywhere and wine and dine my donors for a month. Can you? So that is a sickness. There is a sickness in Congress that is, um, that is, there's the epidemic or the pandemic. It's across the board from Republicans to Democrats, from the House to the Senate, all the way up to the executive branch. Um, and they, there's no vaccination for that. There's no, um, uh, it's worse than a virus. It's a debilitating disease. And the cause of it is the ideology behind power. And when you have um, an ideology that says the people are stupid and we know best and we will make the money and you won't, or you have an ideology that says spread the wealth around as long as you don't spread mine, um, because that comes from this negative resentment of reparations and uh, this old sentiment, I mean, you've got people who are czars who, when they give speeches, say, take back the whole country, and we deserve it, and, you know, add it all up, what you did to us, and what your parents and your grandparents, your great-grandparents did to us, you add it all up, and you owe us the country. No, we don't. I've worked since I was 10 years old. I've paid into Social Security. I've paid into Medicare. I'm not going to get any of it back because they have, in Congress, you know, bankrupted those systems. Um, and, but I worked hard because that's what you do when you're an American. You have a pride in becoming who you're going to become. If that's, you know, a career as a, the best ditch digger on the west side of Chicago or the best tree climber on the north side of Oregon or a doctor or a lawyer or the best Indian chief, it doesn't matter. You, when you are an American, you know that that's who you are and what you want to do because it helps your country. And within all those things that you do, you heal a lot of wounds. 
and you find the cause behind all the pain. When you do an American, that means when you are an American, but you do it as an American, you don't have to worry about the cures anymore because you found the cause. The cause is keeping America. And when you know how, because you understand the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and the history that has brought us to where we are, you keep America, and all of those other things go away. They have to. We inherently heal here. This is our country. Go to earthwalk-usa.com. Go to Washington. D.C.USA. Be there. If you really can't be there, then, you know, around 9 o'clock on 9-12, start faxing and calling Washington, D.C. and saying, no more. We're not going to take any more. Um, and fire those people. Get rid of them who refuse to heal, just like I have to do to a client. You know, if a client, if I help a client, help a client, help a client, tell them what to do, tell them what to do, and they keep not doing it, I tell them don't come back. So we have tried, we have tried, we have tried with so many different Congress people, whether they're from the House or the Senate. We've tried with the executive branch. We've called, we've emailed, we've mailed, we've we've stomped, we've stamped and yelled and done everything. If you haven't listened, you're not going to listen. Um, don't come back, and make sure that you make sure they don't come back because it's it's their disease, and they're just going to cause this pandemic to keep going. So do what you need to do as an American. Um, Get off the drugs, you know. <laughs> Get off the Kool-Aid, whatever you're on. It's not a. This is not a Democrat or Republican thing. This is a country thing, and uh, and it's a God thing. You know, God knows where your love is. Find your love. Find your God. Keep your country. This is Raina G.